morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Y'all made it to church on a uh, holiday weekend, so uh, give yourself a round of applause for making it here, holiday weekend. Amen. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, hey, we, as you guys uh, can probably take a guess with that bumper and what we just did, is we are highlighting our community groups uh, this morning, and uh, I'm getting info from here, so I'll move over here. Yes, yes, okay, info from the back. Good to know. Thank you, guys. Uh, media team, always looking out for me. And uh, this, me- this morning, we're doing a-, a standalone sermon on why we do community groups. If you were here last week, Jeff uh, closed out our sermon series on the first half of the Gospel of Mark. And next week, we're starting a series called Redemption, where we're uh, looking at the book of Exodus kind of through the lens of how God frees us uh, from the idols that can enslave us and the wounds we carry. So that's what we're going to be going through this fall is the book of Exodus. I'm really looking forward to that uh, series called Redemption. It's going to be awesome. But today we're talking about community. And the reason why this Sunday is because uh, this this week marks the beginning of our fall cycle. Here at the Transit, we have cycles in in our community group ministry. And so we took the month of August off, and for the next three months leading up to the, the beginning of December, we're going to be meeting in each other's homes, sharing meals together, sharing life together, and all that good stuff. And the question that we're going to be looking at is why? Why? And so if you're here today and you're not plugged into a community group, let me give you the reason why. You guys ready for this sales pitch for community groups? Here you go. Do you not like fun? Come on, who doesn't like fun? We have fun in our groups. You have a need. That need is to have more fun in your life. Therefore, you should get involved in a community group. Uh, Do you not like food? Everyone likes food, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll brag on my Vienna community group. We got some great bakers and some great barbecuers, right? Where's my Vienna? Yeah, Steve Griner. Yeah, yeah, you know what's up? Welch's and, and some other people. Yeah, you guys, you guys got some good food. So come out to my Vienna community group if you want some good food, right? Do you like friends? You need some friends? Get plugged into a community group, right? Friends and fellowship, that's why, that's why we do community. And, here, and here's the deal, okay? Uh, what's the problem with everything I just said? The, the, yeah, yeah. The, the problem is I just spoke to y'all like you're a bunch of consumers and not Christians, right? And, and, and what I did was basically, what I did was I, I, I'm marketing to you. I, I'm, it's, it's the, it's the, the capitalist, the, 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 the capitalistic mentality, the Western mentality coming out uh, in us where you guys have a need. I need to meet that need. So let me, let me uh, sell your need, right? Like I need to meet that need. And so here's the deal. What we call that, when your needs are the reason, the, the highest motivating factor for you to join a community group, we call that idolatry right? We call that worship of yourself and worship of your needs. And uh, the, the big thing I'm going to be saying again and again is that the reason we do community groups is that it's not about you and it's not about me meeting our needs. We, we uh, have community groups and uh, do community here at the transit for a, har- a far higher and greater purpose than just us getting our needs met. And that purpose is bringing glory to our God exalting Christ. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning is that community is not about us and all of our needs. It's about our Savior being glorified and how his people uh, proclaim to the world through their words and their works who he is and what he has done on our behalf. And so here's the, here's the bottom line is that every time you and I uh, gather in, in, in each other's homes this coming uh, fall cycle, we're making a statement and we're saying that this is what our God is like and this is what he's done for us. We're proclaiming to the world and to each other, this is how awesome our Christ is, our Savior is. And so my hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit would come and, and give us a new vision for, for community and, and what the church is all about. And uh, with that said, let me pray and we'll, we'll jump right in here. We've got a lot to cover. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the gift uh, of your Son, Jesus Christ, reconciling us back to you, restoring us back into the image that you created us. Thank you for that. And we thank you, too, that, that Jesus came to also reconcile us to each other. We thank you for the gift of your church, uh, the community that you've given us, uh, of, of the true family, the new humanity that you have called us into. So thank you for that gift, Father. Spirit, would you come now? Uh, would you give us eyes to see Jesus? Uh, we we, we uh, long to exalt him in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. Would you increase? Would I decrease? Uh, uh, would you speak through me, Lord, and open our eyes this morning? And uh, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, I got three points this morning. And the first point this morning is this, is that community, it's not about you. It's, it's about exalting Jesus. It's about exalting Jesus. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, we're going to be kind of bouncing around in Scripture this morning, but the verses will be on the screen. Here we go. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So here's what's happening in uh, this letter to the church at Ephesus that Paul is writing. What he's doing here is he's speaking to the Gentile believers, those who were not Jews by birth, and he's saying, listen, there was once a time in your life when, when there was a separation between you and God and you from the people of God. There was isolation. There was, there was separation. At one time, he said, there was a time in your story that you were separate. And what caused that was sin, it's, it, that's what the enemy wants for us in our lives, is, is for us to be separate from God and separate from each other. And that's what Paul is calling the church at Ephesus to remember, is remember, remember that there was once a time in your life when you did not have hope because you did not have God and you were separate from his community. And sin is, and, and the reason for that is sin, because that's what the enemy is in the business of doing, is separating what God has joined together. And so uh, the Christian worldview, I mean, in the first you know, three chapters of uh, uh, God's word in Scripture, what we learn immediately is that one is humanity is created in the image of a relational God, okay? Uh, a God, uh, a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all of eternity, kind of a, a divine dance. That's why how Timothy Keller says it, a divine dance in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, giving of themselves in love and service to the other. It's a community for all of eternity. Our God has been in relationship. He makes humanity in his image for relationships. Vertically with God, he invites us into that divine dance of the, of the Godhead and for relationships horizontally, that we were made for community. We were made in the image of a God in community. Therefore, we're, we're made for community, right? But here's the problem, is that sin has uh, perverted in a way, uh, distorted in a way, our even ability to relate to God and relate to others, right? That's what sin does. That's what the enemy wants. We see in Genesis 3, the enemy enters the garden. And the second uh, Adam and Eve fall and sin enters the world, immediately what happens is there's this hostility now. All of a sudden, Adam, who, who is singing praises to God when he sees his wife, Oh, wow, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. It's the only woman I've ever seen, right? And then he goes in Genesis 3, and he, and he goes, God, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit, and I ate it. It's not my fault. 
And all of a sudden, so there's, there's, there's obviously hostility uh, in, the, in the first marriage, which kind of makes sense because that's what sin does, right? And then two, they're, they're, they're banished out of the garden. A holy and just God. Uh, and our rebellion and our wickedness, it's, it's oil and water. They're antithetical. So there's a, there's, a, there's a separation there that happens, right? That's what sin does, and, and that's the problem we face. That's the problem that's plaguing humanity is that we are hardwired for community and fellowship, right? Like intrinsically, deep down, we know that we are created for a higher purpose. Deep down, we know God exists, and we are created to, to know and love and be in fellowship with him and with others and with others. Deep down, we know that. We feel that. Everyone wants to be fully known and fully loved, but sin wreaks havoc upon that. Sin completely destroys that. What sin did was immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they hid, they realized they were naked, and they, were, they, they felt shame and, and guilt. And what sin does is it always wants to isolate us and keep us from true fellowship with God and, listen, true fellowship with each other. And what Paul is doing here in, in, this, in, in this section here in Scripture to his letter at the church at Ephesus, he's saying, remember, church, you're, you're now Christians. He's speaking to the Gentile believers in Ephesus. You're now Christians, but remember that there, there was a time in your life where you were without hope. There's a time in your life where you were without God and separated from Don't forget that. Don't forget that. But listen, church, something happened, right? There, there was a pivotal moment in your life where all of a sudden you, you got God. You got hope. You got God's covenant community. Why? Why was that? Well, just as the enemy is in the business of separating what God has brought together, Jesus Christ is in the business of restoring and reconciling what sin has sought to destroy. That's the beauty of our Savior. He's coming to undo the, the, the devastating effects that sin uh, has, has, has just uh, done off, over the cross of the face of the earth and over humanity. And, and Paul continues uh, in verse 13. This is what he says, but now, I love that transition, but now. Remember, this is where you once were, but now, but now there's a change that's happened, a fundamental, uh, uh, monumental change in your life that's happened in who? In Christ Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near proximity uh, to God and to his uh, covenant people by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What Paul is talking about there is the Jew and Gentile uh, distinction there, where those two groups uh, did not get along really well, to put it nicely. And what Christ has done is he's actually reconciled both Jew and Gentile together in one body to God as a people, collectively. Not just reconciling them to God, but listen, tearing down the dividing wall of hostility so they can look past uh, uh, racial barriers or ethnic barriers and come together under the banner of Christ who has made them one. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus is doing. Tearing down the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile, listen, both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spear. Christ made a way to God. He says, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what Jesus Christ did. He's reconciling us and calling us back to our true humanity and our identity, fellowship with God. Consequently, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. 
Church, we no longer are, 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 are strangers, but we've been invited into the family of God. We, we, there's no need to be in the family of God and be lonely because we've been invited in by Christ. God has given us the gift of his church. We're no longer foreigners, no longer strangers. That's what Paul is reminding the Gentile believers here at the church at Ephesus. But your fellow citizens, your fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We have a lot to cover here. Uh, I'm just gonna highlight this. Is, is essentially, this is what, this is what uh, Paul is essentially saying. If I were to summarize it for our purposes here this morning. Sin has wreaked havoc across the face of the earth. Where there should be peace, there is war. Where there should be unity, there is hostility. Where there should be love, there is hatred. We see this across the world. We see this in our nation right now. We, may we never see it in our church. May we not see it in our church. And what Paul is saying, listen, is that that is what's, that's what sin's end goal is. But here's the beautiful thing is that Jesus Christ is in the restoration business. That our Savior Jesus Christ is in the reconciliation business. Where sin has brought hostility, Jesus brings peace. Where, where sin brings division, Jesus Christ calls us to unity. Where sin wants us to, to hate our enemy, Christ calls us to love our enemy and welcome him in as a guest in our home. That's what Christ is in the business of doing. That he reconciles us back to God through his death and resurrection on the cross, and also to each other. Also to each other. That's what our Savior does. That's what he is in the business of doing. And Paul talks about our identity. I think for us, what we need to know is that our identity is what is unchanging about us. Our identity is this is who I am, that Nick Mudrizo is a parent. I'm not just a parent on Sunday mornings or when I'm off work, right? I'm a parent always. It's just, it, that is an unchanging factor of me as a church Right? Paul says some things about our identity in this passage. And he says, he talks about a corporate group identity, if you will. It's not just, listen, that Nick Mudrazo is in Christ, but it's that we collectively are in Christ. That he's called us to God together so that we would love each other and show each other uh, how awesome our God is. That we'd be a people. First uh, Peter 2.9 says that, uh, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. We're people called by God to, in order to proclaim his excellencies and exalt him. And the identity that we're given here is a new humanity in, in this passage. It says, Jesus Christ is in the business of making humanity new, restoring them into the image that God made them. Where sin uh, is bringing division and hostility in our interpersonal relationships, Jesus is restoring us. He's making community possible for us. We're fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, a holy temple of the Lord where his, where his spirit lives today. If you're here today and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you look to your right, you look to your left, you're in the, the presence of family. You're in the presence of family, brothers and sisters in Christ for all of eternity, uh, a family bond that grows deeper than your biological family, is what scripture would say, that this is our true family, that, that Nick Mudgezo is not an American first and foremost, I'm in Christ and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's actually where I pledge allegiance to, first and foremost, and, and I'm an American, I love to be an American, I'm a patriot through and through, but first and foremost, Jesus has uh, called me and commissioned me in his kingdom, that that is now my priority. We just sang a worship song, Jesus be the center. Jesus be the center. This is his family, his church, his kingdom that I'm a part of. And he's entrusted to us, church, a mission, right? 
like Jeff was talking about during the announcements, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But listen, what I'm getting at is this, is the reason we emphasize community groups here at the transit is because that is what we are. Churches, we're a community, we're a family, we're a kingdom. And, and, and we're going we're gonna, to, uh, and what, what kingdoms do, what citizens do is they get each other's back. What family members do is, is we hang out together, we share meals together, we share life together. We look out for one another. We're, we are a community because that is what Jesus Christ has called us to. This is what... Uh, author and pastor Bradhouse says. He says, we don't have community groups to close the back door of the church. We do not have groups because people need to belong or we need to care for one another. These are good but secondary effects of authentic community. We have community groups because we have seen the glory of God and have been given the grace to live our lives to exalt the Christ. We have community groups because we have been, listen, reconciled to God, and he's reconciled us to one another. We once were not a people, but now we are a people of God's own possession. We have community groups as a proclamation of the goodness of our God and testimony to the completed work of the cross. This is the foundation of, uh, for gospel-saturated community that will overflow with life. So this coming fall cycle, when uh, our Vienna community group is going to meet this Wednesday night, what we're doing there is, is, we're, is we're making a statement about this is who our God is. Uh, Nick Mudders, I'm created in the image of God. Y'all are created in the image of God. And, and what an image's uh, job to do in its way is it's supposed to image that what it's reflecting, right? I'm supposed to represent, reflect God. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is what my God is like. And so when we meet in each other's homes, this false cycle, we're exalting God and we're saying this is, this is what our God's like. He's a relational God who's built, a God of love and, and a God who dwells in community. And he's called me to, to dwell in community, right? And I'll make a confession up here from the pulpit. I'm an introvert. Okay? Like, my, sometimes my best friends are, are books and a good cup of coffee. All right? Uh, Jeff gave me two weeks off this August. What did I do? I went into the woods for two weeks and went radio silent. It was awesome. Okay? But here's the deal. Often, with this introvert-extrovert craze, is that often I have a tendency to use that as an excuse for selfishness. Right? Oh, sorry, all these commands about loving and, 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 and serving one another. Sorry, I can't do that. I'm an introvert. You got to go talk to the extroverts. Sorry. You know? You're out of luck. You need help crossing the street. Ah, sorry. Like, uh, the guy, like, God made me an introvert, so therefore, no, that's bogus, right? That's bogus. I'm not saying I don't love people. I'm just saying that if you're an introvert, you know that I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert, which means that it, it's, it can be draining, right? Like, I need to get recharged in isolation. And if you're an introvert, say, preach, Nick, preach. Um, but here's the deal. No one said anything, right? I'm the only introvert here. I'm the only introvert here, which is good. Uh, no worries. Introvert, no, no. Yeah, yeah, here's the other. None of the introverts will say anything because they're too shy. I get it, I get it. No worries, no worries. Um, no worries. We'll talk later one-on-one because that's what introverts do. All right, so uh, what we're doing when we gather is we're saying, listen, uh, my God is an intentional God who, who's pursued me. He did not first consider his own needs and his wants, right? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went to the cross to pursue us, uh, pursue this, this rebel, to call this rebel back to God and this introvert back to, to the blessing of his community, of his people. I, my life has been radically changed, yes, by Jesus, and yes, by his church, right? And so when we gather, we're saying this is who God is, and, and where sin has, has sought to destroy that, this is where Jesus has restored that. And so Jesus Christ now has made community possible. He has uh, redeemed this aspect of, of community for us so that now when we gather as a community group and as a community, as a church, we gather in Christ's name. Because I got news for you here. If you're here today and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, he's the only reason you're here today. He's the reason you're here. He's the reason that your trajectory in your life has changed forever. 
That there was once a moment in your life you were without God and without hope. What happened? Jesus Christ happened. He grabbed a hold of your heart, and he's called you to God. But he's, what is he doing here this morning? He's calling you to his church body. He's calling us to each other. And listen, our Savior's heart, our Savior's heart is this. One of the last prayers he prayed in John 17 in the upper room discourse right before he goes to the cross is that his disciples would dwell in unity, that the church would dwell in unity, that, that they would be one as, as Christ and his Father were one. That's why we do community, because it pleases our Savior when you and I dwell in community and when you and I dwell in unity together. We set aside our, our petty differences, right? And we come together on, under the banner of Jesus Christ who has reconciled us. We gather in his name because he's the one who's gathered us together. And, and there is a ton of division all across this nation. Uh, if, if, there's, if the church can't figure this out, where in the world are, is this lost world gonna find a place where they can come and experience the love of Christ, right? Church, may this false cycle, may we dwell in unity together. May we be uh, adamant in prayer for one another that Christ would be exalted. Christ would be exalted in our groups because that's the heart of our Savior is that his people would dwell in unity. And so our community groups here at the transit are to be Christ-exalting and Christ-focused. So if you're, uh, if you're getting plugged into a group this fall cycle, when we gather, we're going to be opening up God's word to, uh, uh, this fall. And we're going to be looking at uh, who God is coming together and exalting him. And listen, I love this, coming together as brothers and sisters and just sharing about how awesome our God is and all the work that he's doing in our lives. Nothing brings me more joy than, than when I get to share that around a good meal with uh, each other about uh, hearing what God is doing, God's faithfulness to each other. So we, we come together to exalt and make much of Jesus. That's the motivating factor for community groups. And the secondary things of us you know, having good food and fellowship and friends and fun, those are great things, right? But those aren't ultimate things. We do this because uh, it glorifies Christ and we're showing the world this is what Christ has done for us. Secondly, community, it's not about us. It's about loving the church. It's about loving the church, loving others. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The context for this, as some of you know, is the upper room discourse. On the night that Jesus was betrayed and he was about to go to the, the cross uh, within the next 24 hours, uh, he decided to essentially, in a way, have a community group with his disciples. That was what the, the Last Supper was. This is what the Upper Room Discourse was, in a way. He, there was about 12 of them there, 13 of them. They shared a meal and they talked about Jesus and they talked with Jesus, okay? And then they prayed at the end. It sounds like a community group to me. And Jesus, these are the final words that Jesus le leaves with his disciples. These are some of the last things he's saying before he goes to the cross. And the, the immediate context of John 13 is Jesus Christ, before the meal, Jesus washing uh, 24 stinky, nasty man feet, right? going foot by foot, toe by toe, washing and scrubbing the disciples' feet. Also, the feet of his betrayer, Judas. Also the feet of his betrayer, Judas, showing us how to, to love our enemies as Christ has loved his enemies and actually praying for the very ones who were crucifying him on the cross. And this is one of the last things that Jesus says before to his disciples. He says, listen, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Christian, anything uh, that God 
uh, has done for us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now he calls us to go do that to others, right? It's the gospel uh, and, and, and all the blessings we have in Christ, in our union and fellowship with him, that is the fuel for our conduct here on this earth. It's the indicative, this is my identity because of who Christ is, that fuels the imperative, this is what I do. And what Jesus says is, listen, as I have washed your feet, disciples, this morning, humbling myself, doing a task that was actually for the servant of the household, but I chose to do this this morning to model to you that, that this is what I'm doing for you so that you now would go do that to others, that we as a, the people of God would not take his blessings and say, sweet, this is great, I'm going to keep this all to myself. That we would say, I have been blessed in order to be a blessing. I have been forgiven much, therefore I'm going to forgive much. My Savior has shown radical generosity to me, therefore I'm going to be radically generous. My God has been radically hospitable for me, welcoming me, the enemy, into his holy presence, right? So therefore I'm going to be hospitable. Whatever God does to us, he wants to do through us. And the very last thing uh, that Jesus tells his disciples before going to the cross is he says, listen, disciples, there's going to be a key identifying factor for you guys, for the church. There's going to be one thing, one thing where people are going to look at you, disciples, and they're going to say, I know that they have been with Jesus. And listen, what Jesus doesn't say in this passage is he doesn't say, it's going to be you guys getting like, you know, a sweet, trendy tattoo in Hebrew to let everyone know under your bicep that you're, you're a Christian, or it's not listening to 91.9 on the radio or slapping a Jesus sticker on the back of your camel. That's not what I'm talking about, disciples. What I'm saying is, is people are going to look at you and they're going to see one thing and they're going to know that you're my disciples and it's by how you love one another. It's by how you look out for one another. It's going to be how you sacrificially serve one another. This command that Jesus gives, it's an imperative. I don't know if you guys know that, but Jesus gives commands. Uh, <laughs> it's impossible to live out in isolation. Bad news for the introverts in the room. Sorry. It's impossible to live this command out in isolation. The reason we emphasize community groups here is because we have been uh, so loved by God and he calls us to love one another and therefore we dwell in community to look after one another because that's what Christ has done for us. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, the world is watching and you guys are gonna be a city on a hill that is shining brightly in a dark a uh, world full of isolation and division. You guys are going to be a city on a hill showing them what I created humanity to look like. Did you guys catch that? You guys are going to be a city on a hill, literally an outpost of heaven so that people can experience and see this is what heaven looks like. This is what the new humanity in Jesus Christ looks like. This is what uh, author and pastor Steve Timmis says. The church then is not something additional or optional. It is at the very heart of God's purposes. Jesus came to create a people, listen, who would model what it means to live under his rule. It would be a glorious outpost of the kingdom of heaven, an embassy of heaven. This is where the world can see what it means to be truly human. I love that line. This is where the world can see what it means to be truly human. And what it means to be truly human is a people reconciled to God and a people dwelling in unity together, loving one another under the banner of Christ. Our identity as human, human beings is found in community, but our identity as Christians is found in Christ's new, humanity, new, new community. So here's the deal. Community is not uh, primarily about just us. 
It's about us loving one another as Christ has loved us so the world would get a foretaste of what heaven is like. It'd be believers coming together, sharing meals, sharing our lives together to love one another, listen, with an inexplicable supernatural love. Like this is a love that can only be uh, fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This is, this is Christ uh, transforming us through the indwelling uh, work of, of his presence in our lives, giving us a supernatural, inexplicable love for the church, for each other. And so I'll, I'll brag on my community group uh, right now, which you're not supposed to do, but forgive me for it later. Um, I had a kid five months ago, baby, baby girl, five months ago, okay? Listen, I'm still getting meals dropped off from a, a couple of my community group, who I won't name. But literally, this Wednesday, Mexican, quinoa, salad, on point, phenomenal. And, 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 and completely, and it's confusing to me, honestly. It's confusing to me. Where I, where I, was, I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. Like one, like they're, they're thinking about us. They're, they're, they're spending their, their money on, on their supplies. On to, they don't live close to, to come drop this off. They're, they're spending their time to do this, to, to bake for us consistently for the last five months. We're not only from the outside looking at it, it's inexplicable, but I'm kind of like, what's going on? What's happening here? And so my hope, this uh, fall cycle, is that, man, we would just confuse each other. Church, that we'd make a, a hobby out of meeting each other's needs, out of love for one another. It would be inexplicable. Be inexplicable. That would be so overcome and overwhelmed with what Christ has done for us that we just naturally just it would just it would just naturally we just want to love and serve and bring our families along with us. So this is what it's like, man. This is what Christ has done, little Kelsey. So we're gonna go and we're gonna we're gonna drop off a meal for this person or you know whatever it is. But may we be a people uh, of an inexplicable, supernatural, listen, confusing love. Well, not only the outside world is gonna be asking questions, but even all of y'all in your community group will be asking questions. That's the kind of, I think, radical love, radical generosity um, that, that God is calling us to. Why? Why? Because that's how Christ has loved us. The Father has lavished his love upon us. He's been rich in his grace and his mercy and his love towards us. And so naturally, why in the world would we not extend that to each other, right? This is how the invisible God is made visible, church. It's how the invisible God is made visible both to each other and to the world that's watching us. It's how we love one another. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. May that be said of us, Transit Church, this fall cycle in our community groups, where we're not just coming just to have a Bible study and say, you know, God bless you guys, I'll see you on Sunday. We're coming there, coming there prayerfully, seeing how, uh, uh, Holy Spirit, would you reveal, man, where we, can, where we can be a blessing as you've been a blessing to us? Are there any needs here that need to be met that we could meet? Uh, Father, help us. Teach us how to do that. Coming to community group, not with a, a self-focus, but a focus on those that are going to be there and praying for them and praying for each other there and meeting those needs. As Christ has been rich in his generosity and hospitality towards us, may we go out and do that to each other as well. And lastly, is community. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about reaching the lost. It's about reaching the lost. And I think, um, if I were to just be honest up here, I think there's a tragedy in the, the Western church today. And I would say it's the tragedy of the holy huddle. The tragedy of the holy huddle. And what I mean by that is um, we are really good at coming together, exalting Christ around his word, like coming together and, and, and talking about Jesus, worshiping him in our groups, and really good at caring for one another, meeting each other's needs in our groups. But it, sometimes it stops there, right? 
But see, here's the deal. Uh, uh, every single community group at the transit is an embassy of heaven. It's an outpost of the kingdom of God. And what I want my community group to be is, is I was thinking and praying about this last year. I was thinking, man, there are about, you know, on any given night, four to 14 believers coming together on this street. This is an embassy of heaven. This, this is the, this, these are citizens of heaven coming together, reconciled to each other by the, the work of Christ. Is this neighborhood, is this street going to look any different? Is this neighborhood going to look any different? Is anyone going to know that there's an outpost to heaven here in, the, in, in this neighborhood? Are we just going to stand in a circle versus linking arms together, going outwards, advancing the kingdom of God and inviting others into the feast that we have with Jesus that he's invited us to? And uh, I, was share, I had a conversation a couple months ago with someone in my extended family who leads, who's a community group leader in another city at another church. And, and he shared this with me knowing I'm a pastor and, and uh, all that stuff. And he was asking advice. And, and what happened was, he, uh, he realized that this was a problem in his group. It was more of a Bible study than, than kind of a community group. And what he realized, so he, he closed one of his meetings with this. He, he's mixing things up, and he, and he said to his group essentially was, hey, let's spend the last portion of our time here. Let's, let's go around the room and share some people that we know that don't know Jesus that we can, one, pray for, and two, hopefully will be around this table with us eventually. And I was like, get it, bro, yes. Exactly. That's what we're called to do, church. The Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. He came to make the disciples fishers of men. This is the, the how will they know, Romans 10, unless we go and tell them how beautiful are the feet that, of those who bring uh, the good news of Jesus. That there's a banquet, there's a feast waiting for them, right? And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you should be doing, man. And uh, there was someone in his group uh, someone in his group who knows Jesus, who loves Jesus. And this dude apparently is like wicked smart right? This dude knows his Bible, like really big into theology and systematic theology and just really, really smart. And this dude is kind of seen as like the, the leader of the group, kind of uh, uh, whatever. And so he chimes in and says something to the effect of, no, actually, we shouldn't do that. What we need to do is to remind each other of the gospel. And we need to pray for each other that we would be reminded of the gospel before we try to you know, whatever, like pray for people who don't understand the gospel. And um, here's the danger in that. There's, a, there's some truth to that, right? Speak the truth and love to one another. We should, we should be a community that's continually to, to speak the gospel to each other. But uh, I got to be honest, I got kind of mad when he was saying that. Because, because here's the deal. If our community groups are, are rescue boats in, in neighborhoods that, 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 that literally are drowning in floodwaters of, of sin, right? In isolation, people divorced from the community of God, people who are without hope and without God in the world like we once were. If these community groups here at the transit are strategically placed rescue boats in these neighborhoods around Northern Virginia, listen, we don't, we're not going to be throwing the life preserver back and forth to each other just so we can feel good about ourselves, right? And here's the deal. If we want to be reminded of the gospel, which we should be doing in this scenario, who is more reminded of the gospel? The guy who, who jumps into the floodwaters, risking his safety and his comfort and his security to go save a drowning man, risking his life, dragging him back into the boat, bringing him back to life, and seeing the tears in that guy's eyes for being safe and secure in the boat, or the other guys in the boat who don't jump in the water and are just, are just tossing the gospel back and forth to each other, all safe and secure in the boat. Who, who is more reminded of the beauty it is to know Jesus in that scenario? 
And what I told, what I told my, uh, my, my, family, my, my family member, my extended family, was like, dude, throw the life preserver for heaven's sake. For heaven's sake, church. Our Savior, man, he, is, he has saved us from drowning in the floodwaters. We are safe and secure in the community of the believer, the community of his church, right? In, in the rescue boat, in the lifeboat, dry, well-fed. Our God is rich in his grace towards us. And, and to be honest, man, uh, shame on us when we don't want to go invite anyone in, right? That's what we're called to do, church. These are heavy words, but it's true. May, may that not be said of us at the transit that our groups are a holy huddle. We are missional communities, missional communities. Why are we missional communities? Because our Savior has adopted us into the kingdom of God, and there's kingdom advancement work that we are called to do, listen, as a people, as a group, one of the, the, the greatest witnesses to the lost world, listen, is, is when the church dwells in unity and community together. The best outreach we can do is this fall cycle is dwelling in unity, showing the world how much we love one another, and inviting others in to see what heaven looks like, to see what the new humanity looks like. That's the best witness. That's the best uh, 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 evangelistic tool that you could use for outreach. It's not all of us going out our separate ways, but it's us as a group coming together and saying, we're an embassy of heaven. This is what the future looks like, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the feast that Christ has invited us into. Come and see. Come and see. And so we're going to look at Acts 2 briefly, and then uh, I will slowly begin to wrap up. Acts 22, to, uh, 42 through 47. And they, this, is, this is what uh, happened to the church when the Holy Spirit came upon them. This is after Pentecost. And this, uh, this is in the history of the church. This is how they did community in the early church. This is what it looked like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This isn't a verse to back up communism. The apostles aren't here seizing property or declaring that nobody has any rights to personal property. No, what's happened to this community, listen, is their lives have been radically changed by the radical grace and generosity of Christ. So now what they're doing is they're saying, Christ died so that I might live. Now I'm going to die. I'm going to sell some things because there's some big needs in our community. That single mom can't buy groceries this week. I got a ton of stuff in my garage I don't need. I'm going to sell that. I don't need it. I'm going to sell that, and I, we're going to bring her groceries this week, right? That's what's happening in this community. Christ has been generous to them. Spirit of God has come upon them, and now they're just, they're just they're selling everything they got, and, and for the sake of the community. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive food with glad and generous hearts. They're praising God and having pay, uh, favor with all people. This was a daily, weekly thing. It wasn't just something they did on Sunday morning. They were in each other's homes, exalting and praising God. And here's the deal. What this is, church, this is heaven breaking into the world. This is God's people dwelling in unity together. This is an embassy of heaven. This is what heaven looks like. This is a community that has been reconciled to God and reconciled to each other in a powerful way. And this is what the church looks like when that happens, when people understand their identity. But listen, my point is that it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. There's a key verse here at the end. It says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This community here was a missional community. Uh, it was not a holy huddle. It wasn't a closed group. They said, oh, sorry, Lord, we can't have any new believers here. 
It's a close, it's a close Bible study, a close communion group. No, that's, that's not what happened. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being said. Non-believers, listen, non-believers <clears throat> were somehow getting continually exposed to that community and converted to the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? How? Well, here's the deal. Listen, you can't be a member of that community group. You can't be a member of that community and keep it to yourself, right? This, is, this was a community where life transformation was happening, right? This was heaven on earth for the people of God, the people in Acts 2, 4, 2. So they probably couldn't shut up about it. So them as a group, they were probably inviting people into that community, and these people were seeing it. And these people were, were getting a glimpse of heaven. They're say, they were saying, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Thank you for inviting me into this. Somehow non-believers were getting exposure to this community and converted daily. And so with that said, what our community groups here are about at the transit is being on mission. And it's really simple. Either we go out as a group to a restaurant or to a festival or whatever. We invite people that don't know Jesus with us or we go to where people who don't know Jesus are. And we just hang out. No agenda. Just love people right where they're at. Build relationships, Right? Or we invite them in. Something, something we've done in Vienna is a front yard barbecue. Went knocked on every door, uh, invited everyone out. And, and uh, what was crazy, what I found with that uh, was, and I'm not doing this to boast and all that stuff, but what I found with that is that, listen, I thought maybe one or two people on my street would come. Maybe one or two to that front yard barbecue our community group did. Uh, so I go, we had like over, we had, we had, I think we had over 30 people that showed up. Oh, there's, like, there's like two people who denied the, uh, the community neighborhood barbecue. And what I learned in that moment was, oh my gosh, God's word is true. People are hardwired for community. They have a deep, intrinsic longing to be a neighbor and to know their neighbors. And what was wild uh, was, was people were introducing themselves who've lived on the same street for 15 years, right? 15 years. And all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't a gospel pitch at the end. I wasn't handing out tracts or transit cards or whatever. Just getting to know my neighbors, right? Getting to know my neighbors. They would get a glimpse, get a picture. And out of that, you know, we've, we've, we've started to uh, have a non-Christian neighbor start coming to our community group. And, and that was part of, 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 of the fruit of that. And so that's what our groups, all I'd say, that's what our groups here at the, community, at the transit are going to be about. It'll be about inviting others in that we are the people of God who have been invited to the feast that is Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, uh, would invite others in to that party as well. That our groups would be defined by life transformation of the Holy Spirit, and we'd be inviting others in. I'll conclude with this quote by Henry Nouwen. It's a beautiful quote. In our world full of strangers, estranged from their past, culture, and country, estranged from their neighbors, their friends, and family, from their deepest self and their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. There is a desperate need for this in each and every one of your neighborhoods, a desperate need uh, in our nation for this right now, uh, a desperate nation need in, in, yeah, in our world for this. That we are, People are hardwired for this. They're without God and without hope, church. People need a community, God's community. And this is our vocation as Christians to convert, I love this, to convert the enemy into the guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. To convert the enemy into the guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. This is our hope. This is our vision for community groups at the transit. 
It'd be a place where uh, enemies are turned into guests. Why? Because that's the story of my life with Jesus. He converted this, this rebel, into a guest in his kingdom, a guest around his table. And so may we do that this fall cycle. May we exalt our Savior, Jesus, and bring him glory by showing the world what he is like and what he has done on our behalf. He's reconciled us to God, church. He's he's making us new in his image, restoring us back to the image that God has created us in so we can know God and the hope, all the hope that's there. And also he's reconciled us to each other. May we be a a church and a community that, that invites others in to that feast that we've been, uh, we have the privilege of being a part of. So with that said, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you, uh, Father, for, for your mercy, for your grace, for your generosity. Uh, uh, there was uh, uh, no price you were not willing to pay to, to reconcile us. You gave your son, Jesus, on the cross for us and for uh, the gift of community that you reconciled us, Jesus, to you, to to the Father, and also to each other. So thank you for the gift of your church. Thank you for the gift of community. Jesus, thank you for making community possible, for undoing the devastating effects of sin in our lives. So Spirit, would you come now, and would you help us? We are totally in the flesh inadequate to do anything we just preached about or talked about this morning. I pray uh, over uh, this church and over our community groups that your spirit uh, would move in power amongst us. You'd fill us with a supernatural, inexplicable love for you, Jesus, an inexplicable love for each other, and an inexplicable love for those in our neighborhoods that don't know you yet, Jesus. So we pray that your name be glorified this fall cycle in our groups. and pray this in your name. Amen.